And we're looking at a, a subject that many people have put all kinds of ideas with and misunderstood greatly. But faith is one of the premier understandings of the Word of God. Without it, it's impossible to please God or have any communication with Him. In Abraham, it seems it's very interesting how you have the way of salvation in the beginning of Romans 3, and then you have Abraham throw brick in the middle. Well, why was he there? Because you have the rest of the understanding of salvation in Romans chapter 5. Abraham and his example of faith is why it is in between 3 and 5. That's why you have 4. Now, there was probably nobody that knew more about Old Testament and understanding the law and understanding what they were looking forward to and probably, and probably the Apostle Paul. He understood this so much that even he missed it. Understand this. How can you be somebody who gave his whole life to understanding the law of God and yet he, Christ, was on the earth and fulfilling the obligation that he made to mankind, the Apostle Paul didn't see. He believed in the law, in keeping the law, and it would get you saved. And yet, nowhere in Scripture can you find where the law was ever meant to save anybody. The law was only written and given to mankind to show him how far from God he was. And believe me, when you start comparing yourself to God in your flesh, you find out there's a great divide. Because the first commandment of God is what? Yes? Go ahead. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Now you think of that for just one moment. Anybody here fulfilling that today? Get there. You can do that by just getting angry. Can 
Is God just an angry man or an angry woman or an angry child? No, he doesn't. So how can you be in tune with God if you have that problem? How can you be in tune with God if you love the things of this world are greater than your love of God? When we truly analyze the position we're in and what really is our priorities of life, we find ourselves coming up very short. So it's important that you're going to know what God says is to get this heart, mind, and thinking looking at Jesus. Because without it, you will never truly understand Him. And you'll fight and you'll wonder why I can't, I can't have victory in, in this life. I've been saved some 50 years, and I still find myself struggling with this whole body of flesh. And I ask God, why can't I overcome this body of flesh? And he reminds me quite often, if you go to Romans 6, it's because I'm not willing to die to this body. I like myself so much that I'm willing to compromise the things of God for me. And until I'm willing to truly give up my life, God's never going to truly answer that. We got an awful echo here because I can hear myself talk. So let's ask God to help us so that we can understand exactly what He is trying to say here. And you can truly get your eyes open because it will change your life forever when you do. And God has changed me. If you know me when I was, well, I was not a very big person, I still am. I think it's because I was jumping off buildings when I was a young man and I thought myself was broken. That's what I keep telling myself. But from a young boy, I heard the gospel from an old woman, and she joined me the Lord to what she offered was cookies and milk. Because back when I was a kid, a cookie and a milk was pretty a prized possession. You know, I got three miles to get that. So for me, I didn't, I wanted the cookies and milk, but I got something back later. A woman told me how much God loved me. And she said, I was a sinner. Well, I had no doubt I was a sinner. I knew what I was, a character best. But when she offered me the love of God, the cookie and milk even took second place. Because I understood my problem. But I understood that love of God meant so much to me. It changed my life. But I didn't grow very much because I didn't know God in detail. Because God's not a very small God. God is a great God. And He's got a lifetime to know Him. Some of us are very young in God because we truly don't know Him. You say, how do you know that? Because of what you do. Evidence of faith is what you do. Evidence of where you are in Christ is what you do. So it's pretty evident when you look around, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how much you love God and how much you love yourself. That's what we're going to find out about how much faith you really have. And is it a saving faith that you have, or is it a faith that you know a lot about God, and yet it's never changed your life? That's the secret. Let's pray.
thank you, Heavenly Father, for the great love. Help us to open our mind and our understanding even now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay?
But there's one wonderful thing that God also did in that we look back at what Christ did. Is he also said, look, to his disciples, he said, I must go to the Father so that I can send the Comforter to you. Now, the Comforter is the Holy Spirit. You and I got something that the Old Testament saints never even knew about. The Spirit of God, if you're saved, the minute you believe God and what He has done for you, He sends the Holy Spirit into you and gives you a new life. A lot of us don't truly understand what that means. That new life, though, should immediately generate something in you to the place where you now have the ability to start understanding more than the gospel. I've met many lost people. They knew a lot about the Word of God, believe it or not. It's quite surprising. I met a man not too, just a few weeks ago, sitting in a restaurant, and we talked about way back when I went to school, and he went to school, and he's even older than me, how that before class started, the teacher got up, and she would make us pledge allegiance to the flag. She would even give a word of, from the Bible, a sign, and she even made some of the kids get up and give a reading from the sign. Well, this fellow Ed Dodge that I was talking to said, well, I tried to find the smallest verse in the signs I could find. So he didn't have to stand up ever. But even way back then, and to know him today, he's a lost man. But he knew things about God. But it didn't save him, and it still doesn't save him. Why? What saves a man and what makes a man lost? I'm going to make this as brief as I possibly can because it's not a big thing, but it is a very important thing to understand of what you're believing in. A man must believe, put his faith, have confidence in, and dependence upon, and rely upon, except receive the fact that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood in order to buy him back from the condemnation of sin. And believing, putting his faith in, having confidence in, and depending upon, and relying upon, and accepting, receiving the fact that God raised him from the dead and embodied for his justification. In this truth, by faith in the promise of God, if you believe this, I'm going to tell you something. You're saved. I don't believe it can get any more simple than that. And I know I put a lot of words that emphasize this believing. Because having an absolute confidence in what you believe is the difference in what saves you and keeps you lost. Because if you can know this message right here that I just gave in a short sentence, you can say you know that. But if you walk away disbelieving that message, you're not saved. Too many people have been believing that maybe it's a prayer I said. Prayer don't save you. Maybe it's an act of good that I'll do. 
Doing an act of goodness does not save you. One thing saves you, and Abraham is a proof of that. Now understand something here, we're going to get to it. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'm telling you, when you believe this message of God that you just heard, you will be saved. And it will change your life. Matter of fact, I, I'm so persuaded it's impossible that it doesn't change your life. So when somebody tells me, well, once I get saved, I'm all set. I don't have to worry about nothing. Well, you've got a wrong concept of God. I will tell you this, that if you are a child of God and you continue in sin, and God does not chasten you by the word of God, he says you're a liar and he don't know you. Too many people are running around playing a game of church. This building don't save you. These people around you don't save you. It is a relationship between you and God that is so special that I don't even have to put words to it. My wife can't save me. I can't save my wife. I couldn't save my kids. I'm going to give an account to God all on my own. Just like you are. I want you to understand why I'm so critical of this because I've heard so many reasonings and I talk to people and I say, I don't believe they're saved. Their life doesn't back up what they say. The scriptures don't back up what they do. Now, don't get me wrong. Can a person be saved and show no works? Yes. Because it is believing God. I, personally, if I see it, I can say what do you have to prove what you believe? Where does that say, where do we go in the scriptures to prove why being saved should accompany good works? Now here's the after effect. God says if once you are saved, you are to fulfill the law. Think of that one for a moment. The law can't save you, but after you are saved, he says, you and I should start fulfilling the law. If your conscience continues to bother you, God is trying to tell you, let's get it right. 
Because there's none of us that we don't need to get right with God on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but mine's probably a few times a day. But you, when you are close to God, and you know that that feeling, is, and I know it's not a feeling, but it is in some respects that I don't have the clearness of talking to God the way I usually do, when I know I've done something stupid. And I'm not long realizing, you know what? I'm out of fellowship with God because I have sin in my life. It is much more important that I get that right as soon as I realize it. What is that? It's confessing that I've, I've sinned before God. It is not just saying, Lord, forgive me, and say some form of word or whatever. That's not really asking a right standing with God. It's not that simple. It's recognizing that I am a sinner. I've made a mistake. I have broken my fellowship with God simply because of an act of stupidness in my flesh. Now, either I want to get that right, or I can overlook it to a point that I can get so far away from God that I've seen men that I've seen them when they were saved at their younger day, and I have seen them ten years later. And I wondered, how in the world could you possibly get that far away from God? One or two things had to take place. They either did not believe God at all and wanted to be or try to act out the Christian life, it was failing miserably constantly. It still were lost. Or they steered their conscience towards God and didn't want to do and have fellowship with Him to the point they looked like a lost person. That's a terrible place to be because God will deal with you. If you're a son or a daughter of Christ, and you're in sin, and you do not get it right, by the word of God, he says, I will chase it, my children. The example is, even a dad and mom, you love your kids, you want them to do right, you have an act of discipline in there to help correct it and get them doing right. If you love them. Now, if you don't love them, you let them be animals, and they will take to give you all the fits that you want and then some. God loves you. And if you are a child of His, He is watching over every single thing you do, think, and say. There's nothing getting by God. Even the thoughts and intentions you have are known by God, every one of us, all the time, 24 7. So it doesn't make too many brains. Well, I don't have too many brains, but I know this. If that's the case, I'm not going to walk around and try to disguise. Well, I, didn't, I really didn't do that. Yeah, you really did. So it would behoove me to get my life right with God. Mom and dads, I'm going to encourage you to hear with children. The greatest thing you can do for your kids is to show them and teach them how to love God. Without it, they will struggle their whole life not knowing. Now they may come around to it on their own, and I pray they do. But while you have them, you have the greatest opportunity to teach them 
how to love God, but it takes you to do it first. Isn't that an amazing thing about teaching? How to teach something you don't go through or have known about or discussed. I'm asking you this. How many how much time do you spend learning about God? You take the time to sit down and understand the scriptures. If you want to know, if I mind you, these last three chapters, we're, well, what we've been going through, but three, four, five, and six, maybe you can even throw seven, eight in there. Look at the book of Romans. The book of Romans has so much in there for your life that I guarantee you, if you know it, and you read it, you study it. It'll absolutely change you. I guarantee it's impossible to know the book of Romans and it doesn't change you. I know I've got off chasing something because it did in my heart. I got away from it. Abraham. But Abraham believed God. He followed God and he believed him to the point that in his old age, the promise that was made to him, the scripture says pretty plainly, he didn't waver in it. Even though his body was dead and old, and Sarah was old, and there was no way conceivable in the flesh that they were going to conceive this son that was promised to him. Yet it says that he staggered not at the promise of God. Think of that faith for a minute. It took him 30 years to get to this point before the promise of God even was made and it fulfilled. 30 years. Well, I got news for you. Salvation don't take that long. Salvation takes an instant. The minute you truly believe God in what he said, you're saved. But the example of faith I'm going to take you over to the book of James real quick. I think it's one of the best examples of faith in knowing the difference between what faith really is and what it should look like. In James chapter 2, and I'm going to go all the way down to 14, faith without works is dead. What the prophet, my brother, though a man say, he have faith and have not works. Can faith save him? And here again, I'm going to answer you something. If you truly have faith, it does save you. If you truly believe that message that you heard earlier, you are saved. But, without any accompanying of works afterwards, what evidence is there that you believe? That's about as simple a term as you can make this statement. But he goes on with it. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily needs, and what if you say to him, the path of peace be warm, filled, notwithstanding to give them the things needful for the body? What the prophet? Even so, the faith, if it have not works, it is dead. It's inactive, it's inoperative, it does not do a thing. Your faith, if it does not demonstrate and show, Christ, 
What good is it, is what he's trying to tell you. A dead faith is, to the world, is no faith at all. If we lay blames on the condition of the world right today, who do you think should take the blame? Let me tell you who? Christians. We give it up. We didn't fight for what was right in God. We're ashamed, it seems like, to pronounce and tell people that Christ is your only hope. We get embarrassed when we're around lost people, and we don't dare to say, I'm a Christian. I am putting my faith, trust, and dependence upon God. Are you? Are you ashamed to go into a restaurant and bow your head before lost people and thank God for what he's given you? Shame on you. Do you put yourself in positions and places you don't belong so you wouldn't dare say anything? And you'll all stand before him. Now I pray tell that it's not the great white throne judgment, because if it is, an excuse will do you no good there, because they do try to make them. They say, Lord, Lord, I've done this in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I've done mighty works. And if you're at that great white throne judgment, God's going to say, Depart from me, you wicked, for I never knew you. Works didn't save them. But if you are a Christian, and you claim God, and you have believed, and you have done nothing in this life to prove that, God's also going to judge you for what you didn't get right in this life. Understand, you're not going to be held for the things you do to get right. But the things you do not get right with God, He will judge you for them. You're not losing your salvation, understand that. But you will give an account to God for what you've done. And God's going to put all that you think you've done, you know, I'm treasure. Put it before him, and he's going to put the fire to it. One of two things are going to exist. It's going to be a pile of dust and blow away, and there's nothing there but your salvation. Matter of fact, he calls it by the skin of your teeth. I don't know about you, I ain't got much on mine. And it'll be a shame that you had no act of faith in this life to prove you believe God. And then you tell me you're a Christian, you tell me you believe. Do you? Do you have the faith of Abraham? Believe everything you've got if God was to ask you to do it? And go to a place you've never seen in your life? 
He's not even asking that of us. You know what he is asking of us? Believe me and live for me. That's all God is asking you today to do. But we'd rather have the things of this world more than the things of God. I lived a good part of my life working like a dog just to get ahead and thinking that was good. And God proved me that I was wrong. And I'm about as stubborn a person there is here. Although there's a couple of guys I know here are pretty stubborn. God had to wake me up through my whole life. And each time I thought I grew closer to God than I did. But each time, part of me had to die. I could have solved a lot of those issues ahead of time, but I wasn't willing to give up. I thought I was doing God a favor. I would put my time in, I'd give my effort. I was a witness. Don't get me wrong. That's one thing I can say. God has allowed me to be very bold in what I believe. I've never not been able to just tell somebody just like it is. The problem is, sometimes it wasn't in love. But God has softened my heart again. I came down with love and I came to a place that I didn't even know who I was. Right? I had to ask my wife, am I really who I think I am? When I had to ask the directions how to get from this building to Rockland, from my wife. That's where I was. Now I would have asked, I, I, I truly was ready to go home. I said, well, I guess thank you. God's done using me. He wasn't done using me, but what he was doing to me is convincing me that I was not who I thought I was. Because I had a great understanding of the scriptures and I was bold in all of these things, I still had a problem. You know what I found out my problem was? I truly didn't love people. I selected the love I wanted to share. If you fit the mold that I like, well, we can be good friends. But God says, I love all mankind. I didn't come to condemn them. I came to save them. You're condemning two-thirds of them, Charlie. You don't care about them. God couldn't use that. I'm very political sometimes. I know what I believe and I know what seems to be right. Even if I could disagree with you in thoughts of the state of the country, I still have to have a love for you enough not to allow my thinking override my love that you would understand God. That's not easy to do, especially in a simple mind like I got. I'm pretty hard-headed. But God has a way of changing even that. Give me a lot of people that <laughs> I would have told you there's no way. I didn't have it. But I beg God and I've asked God that no matter what you need to do to me, you do it so that I can be like you. 
brother and sister, when you do that, hold on, because God will change some things. I want to stand before God, not being ashamed that I lived in this life and that my example in this world was not one of mockery. This is so temporal and so short, I never thought I could get to 65, and I'm getting awful close. I used to make fun of it. That's the old people. I ain't ever going to get there. You know, somehow I did. What I want you to know today, I want you to leave here understanding what makes you saved and what makes you lost, and are you willing, if you are saved, to follow Christ? I didn't go into great deals with Abraham. I can tell you he was a man of faith and he set the example of faith by doing what he believed. He believed the promise of God and God counted it for righteousness. When the pastor gets back, he's going to do chapter 5. I encourage you to come out and listen to chapter 5 because it is going to go into more detail of salvation. But the simple fact of salvation is as simple as what I read to you. The death, why did Christ die? is to pay the penalty of mankind's sin. My sin. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was to show that he had power over life and death. He rose again to prove he was the God he claimed to be. And on top of that, he said, I'm going to give you a gift just like none other I can give you. I'm going to leave and I'm going to send a comforter to you so that you and I have no excuse to live for God. God is giving you something very special. Don't waste it, is what I'm trying to say to you today. Don't let it slide by. Don't overlook it. If there's one thing you need to get right today, know why you're saved. If you're not saved, I don't know, you might not even be saved here today. If you're not saved and you want to be, or you want to know more, you can come see me. I would love to go in detail of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is sometimes very detailed. But it's as simple as what I told you earlier. I'm going to read it one more time for you. Man must believe what his faith, his confidence, and dependence upon Rely upon, accept, receive the fact that Jesus Christ died, shed his blood in order to buy him back from the condemnation of sin, and believe, put his faith, have confidence in, and depend upon, and rely upon, and accept, receive the fact that God was raised from the dead in a bodily form for his justification. In this truth, one who claims to believe this by faith in the promise of God, I'm telling you, you're saved. A simple act of believing. But believing has an awful lot to do. When I'm willing to do it, I will tell you this. It will change you. It changed me. And it will continue to change you for the rest of your life.
Are you saved? Are you doubting? God hates doubt. If you read the book of James at all, you'll find out one who wavers in the things of God spits him out. He says, make up your mind. He's a God worthy of you to believe and trust in. If he's not, then you don't know him. Your situation of life before God is nothing different to him. But if you will walk, let's put it this way. If I'm struggling in this life, God says to ask him. Ask for the wisdom of God to live. If you ask God for his wisdom, if you believe he'll give it to you, because that's what he tells you to do. Every time God makes a promise to us, he says, believe me. And I guarantee you it'll happen. But if you won't believe him, well, you'll stay just where you are, or you'll get worse. Or you'll never do it. And this stuff sounds all Greek. Please don't leave here today if you have doubt in any way, shape, or form about your salvation. Come see me or somebody you know that knows God. He can share this love of God to you personally. Mom and dads, I continue to encourage you. Don't give up on your children. Teach them to love God. It'll be the greatest reward you give yourself. I guess right now, any questions? How's that? You have a question? If I can answer it, I'll answer it. If I can't, I'll find the answer for you. Anybody? How many here today will say, I'm saved? Okay, now stand up. If you're not sure, you stay in your seat. Thank you. 